Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, before we get started, I know that you know that Jesus is greater than Moses. Okay, I know you get it. But let's really look at it. Let's do a deeper dive into it and let's consider this whole thing. All right. A prophet like and not like Moses. And you got to remember that God makes this promise um, a little bit less than 1500 years before Jesus comes in, before Jesus is, is born. As you well know, Moses is a big deal. What do you know about Moses? Probably quite a bit. So he leads people out of Egypt. He's God's appoint, Yahweh's appointed servant to lead uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt. That's a big deal. He receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Horeb. Right? Not everybody wants to go up there. They send Moses up there. He goes up twice. Right? And he also receives the blueprint for the tabernacle where God will come and dwell among his people. Moses is Yahweh's servant who leads the people of Israel through the wilderness to the cusp of the promised land. And it's not easy because you probably remember Israel proved to be stiff-necked and stubborn, willful and rebellious, grumblers and ingrates, the lot of them, right? Yet Moses acts as, as an intercessor of sorts. He pleads time and again that God would have mercy on his people, right? So he's an intercessor. Not only that, if that weren't enough, Moses writes the Pentateuch, five books, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? And those five books... And this way. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all of his servants in the land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Deuteronomy 34. That's quite the resume. But as you heard in the Old Testament reading for today, Moses points to one greater than himself, a prophet that God will raise up. Now, there's many prophets that God raised up after Moses. Lots of them. But Moses doesn't talk about prophets. He talks about prophet. One prophet in particular. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers. And that's how he is like him. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, he's talking directly to Moses, from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak all that I command him. 
this prophet will be like Moses. But this prophet will be unlike Moses. First, how is he like Moses? How will this prophet be like Moses? Uh, Yahweh will put his words in both of their mouths. But it's interesting to me that Moses, who speaks for God, tells his hearers that they really should listen and consider the one who is to come. He will be over and above Moses. Moses defers to this one who is to come. And who would presume to do that? And if you're a Jew, no one. No one. Well, who is going to go over the one who talked with God face to face? You done that? I haven't. Who is going to do that? No one. Well, except one. And that is Jesus. And to him we should listen. But ironically, those who follow Moses and those who listen to Moses ignore his exhortation to listen to one who will come after him. Who will say a word, a new teaching, a a different teaching than the ones that they're used to. And this comes to bear, okay? You see this working out all over Scripture, but especially in John chapter 9. A man born blind, who now is no longer blind, becomes a disciple of Jesus. He, he cures the man born blind, right? He heals him, restores him. And they're giving him a hard time, and they're giving him a hard time asking all these questions about Jesus. And the man formerly who was blind says, kind of teasingly, do you want to become his disciples too? And the answer is a resounding no. We don't. You are his disciples, but we are disciples of who? Moses. As for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And then the blind man goes into, well, that's something nobody's ever heard of somebody be able to cure a man born blind before he goes into a, quite a, a good proclamation, apologetics of Jesus. Jesus has an advocate past the man born blind and past Moses, the father himself. At both the baptism and his transfiguration, we have a public witness of a voice, a thundering voice, exhorting all who are there to listen to Jesus. That's good enough for me. Another thing we have to consider, and I know you know that Jesus is greater than Moses, but this latter prophet will speak all that the Lord will command. That's important. As we have pointed out, Moses proved to be a faithful and important messenger. But he did not speak everything that God commanded. Did you know that? Of course not. He's a sinner. In Numbers 20, the people of Israel lacked water. You probably remember this. They quarreled with Moses, who goes to Yahweh for a solution. And here's what Yahweh tells him. Take the staff 
and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Tell the rock to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his strap twice. Did you hear what I said? He struck the, he struck the rock twice and water came out abundantly. His mistake might seem minor. But it's not. It's twofold. First of all, he doesn't give glory to God. And second of all, he doesn't do exactly what the Lord had told. He missed the mark. Right? Probably not intentional, but missed the mark. And God gives him a judgment. You will not cross with Israel into the promised land because you failed to uphold me as holy before the people. See, we need to do a deeper dive. Jesus, however, that's different. Again, he has the Father's full seal of approval. Again, both the baptism and the transfiguration, which is coming up. Matthew records in chapter 3 that as Jesus was baptized, the voice from heaven says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Chapter 17, in the transfiguration, Matthew records, A bright cloud overshadowed them. Seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? A bright cloud. It's a bright cloud. What can I tell you? God veiling his glory. Overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And how do we know that Jesus has the father's approval? Well, we heard it. You probably missed the detail. But a prophet who presumes to say in my, who speaks falsely, uh, that prophet shall die. We have the apostolic witness that Christ did die, uh, but he rose. Jesus spoke and did all that the Father gave him. And yet broke the power of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus takes all the sins of the world and rose from the grave, never to die again. He broke the power of sin and death by his perfect righteousness. We know that he's vindicated because he's raised from the dead, right? Third, and this is kind of a big one. Yahweh appointed both Moses and Jesus to speak for Yahweh, but one of them is Yahweh. Moses is a sinful man who must go up on the mountain. And as you might recall, uh, the people did not want to see God because there's this what's called a theophany. There's God manifesting himself in physical ways that are terrifying. Fire and smoke, lightning and thunder, earthquakes, the sound of a loud trumpet. Shall I go on? The people of Israel did not want to go up and be in the presence of the Lord and with good reason. So they sent Moses to go up on their behalf to bring God's words to them. 
and they are words of law, that they did not keep. Jesus is a different story. I want you to consider this, right? Jesus is a different story. He is, quote, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's uh, Colossians 1.15. Moses has to go up on the mountain, right, into Yahweh's presence. In Jesus, Yahweh comes down. Comes down to his people to dwell with them. That's different. The sinless God man, fully God and fully man, veils his majesty, his glory uh, in human flesh. He looks like you and he looks like me. And brothers and sisters in Christ, you might say that's a disadvantage. It's a good thing. Because the glory of God to sinners is terrifying. And so Jesus, consider this. We've talked about this a lot, but just think about it. Let it let it roll through your brain. Jesus draws near to lepers, the unclean, prostitutes, the sinners. He draws near to them. And they draw near to him. The glory of our Lord's might, the splendor of his majesty is hidden. It's veiled, but it's good. So that its radiance and brilliance might not send the sinner Fleeing from God. Who now stands among them. And it's interesting because when his glory does break through, whether that be things like the transfiguration or the calming of the storm or the healing of the paralytic or the casting out of a demon possessed man. The miraculous catch of fish. All of these things result in. In those who witness it, uh, awe-inspired fear. Peter, with the miracle of depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Get out of here. But Jesus quickly speaks words of peace and pardon. And you know what he usually says? I bet you do. Do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus has come for the explicit purpose of restoring physical maladies, spiritual maladies, and the fallen creation. And that leads us to the fourth. The law comes through Moses. Grace and truth comes from Christ. And that is a big difference worth noting. Moses is a minister of the law. And the accusation of the law, which brings only sin and death. We cannot, we cannot keep the law. We cannot. We break one rule, we've broken it all. He teaches and stresses works, and through the ways and rays of the law, he makes everyone guilty of death and subject to punishment. He demands, right? And it's God's demand. He demands, but he cannot give what God demands. Jesus is different. Jesus gives a new teaching. And it's not a different teaching. It's a new teaching. Jesus does not come to abolish the law. Okay? Get that out of your head. He doesn't come to get rid of it. He doesn't come to abolish the law. He comes to fulfill it for you. This prophet demands nothing 
and instead grants what Moses demands. And so he is a teacher of life, grace, and righteousness. Both teachings have to be heard. They're both equally authoritative. They've both been raised up by God for the purpose of humbling us by the law and exalting us through the gospel. Two ministries of the word which are necessary for the salvation of the human race. To draw us to God, to see that he must save us and that Christ is the fulfillment of that. Moses was a big deal. Christ is your Lord, your God, your Savior, and so much more. The ministry of Moses was temporary. To be ended by the coming ministry of Christ. This is what Luther says. But the ministry of Christ will be ended by nothing else. No one else. Because it brings eternal righteousness and puts an end to sin's power over us. Moses was a big deal. But in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In Jesus We have the promised prophet like Moses, yet not like Moses, greater than Moses, one who is fully human like Moses, yet one who is also fully God. Like Moses, he speaks God's word. Unlike Moses, he is the fulfillment of God's word and the word itself made flesh. The one about whom Moses and all the prophets testify. His word stirs the sinner to new life. His word creates faith. His word sustains the weary. He exhorts you to repent. To him we should listen. For we cannot and do not keep the law as Moses commanded. And that brings a death sentence. Turn from it. You need something outside of yourself to save you. So this Jesus also proclaims, believe the gospel. To him you should listen. Because Jesus is your righteousness. He did all things perfectly for you. He met the demands of the law, yet suffered the curse of the law for your sins. Taking your shame, your separation, and your sentence. By him, through him, by his word, the Lord empowers us not just to hear the word, but to listen to it. Thanks be to God. Of course we listen. We listen as Jesus speaks God's full counsel. We listen as he brings word of truth and life, peace and pardon, comfort and joy. Of course we listen. We listen because through this word, he has overcome the power of sin and death. Of course we listen. Why wouldn't we? For our Jesus is that promised one. Our Jesus is always faithful.
in all that he says and all that he does. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.